0: Hello everyone and welcome to Talk To Be Well on the future of health. I'm your host Dr. Robin Henderson bringing you a real conversation on team mental health from the people that know best. Joining me today from the Work To Be Well Student Advisory Council are Kelly, Kiana, and JJ. Also joining us are Kate and Emma from YouthLine. Our discussion today will focus on something that can be really tough to talk about but is the second leading cause of death for 10 to 24 year olds. We're talking about teen suicide. Remember, everyone, if you have questions for us, we can be found at The Wellbeing Trust on Twitter and Facebook. And our Student Advisory Council is on Instagram at work to be well. That's work, the number two, be well. Before we start, I want you to know that the information provided during this podcast is for educational purposes only. You should always consult your healthcare provider if you have any questions regarding a medical condition or treatment. We're gonna be discussing something that's pretty tough and it might trigger some of our listeners. If you or someone you know is struggling, please reach out to Youthline at 1-877-968-8491 or text TEEN2TEEN to to 839-863. Again, that's teen, the number two teen. We're going to get started by asking our panelists to introduce themselves and tell us why talking about suicide is important to you. My name is
1: Kelly and I'm currently a junior in high school and I started volunteering at the Oregon Youth Line two years ago and then I ended up joining the Be Well Student Advisory Council a year after that. And... Personally, I have struggled with my mental health in the past, and once I started volunteering at Youthline, I quickly learned that I'm definitely not alone, and I think that an issue that impacts so much of the population of people, especially my age, is not being talked about enough. I would like to make a positive difference and bring more awareness to the issue.
2: Hi, I'm JJ and I'm a senior in high school. Um, This topic is important to me because um, I've had friends who have lost to suicide and I think that starting the conversation and um, making sure that we know how to deal with mental health and how we can advocate for it is very important and that is why I'm here.
3: I'm Kiana and I'm a junior in high school. I'm very passionate about raising awareness for mental health And helping people who are struggling or struggling in silence and i myself have struggled with depression and anxiety and i want to help others who are in need and help others who are dealing with suicidal thoughts or any other mental health concern so my goal is to really start conversations surrounding mental health and raise more awareness
4: my name is emma Um, i use she her pronouns i am a recent high school graduate and i am a lead volunteer on youthline Um, Talking about suicide is important to me because I also had my own experience with that and I feel like my experience would have been a lot different if I had heard the people around me talking about mental health or talking about suicide. And so just knowing that people are going through it
5: too. My name is Kate. I use she, her pronouns as well. I'm a junior in high school and I think talking about suicide is important because it's extremely stigmatized in our culture and to know that people out there like are also struggling is really important and to let people know that there's resources and stuff I think is also very important. Let's just
0: jump right in and and I want to ask how should you respond if if someone shares that they're having suicidal thoughts with you? What do you say? The first thing
1: that we like to do when we feel like someone is having suicidal thoughts or if they've explicitly told us that they're having suicidal thoughts is first acknowledge and thank them for letting us know because we know that that's obviously a really hard thing to tell somebody else and come out about. And then right after that, the first priority is safety. Like just asking them if they have a plan that they have and just making sure that if they do have a plan that they are able to stay safe and if other people know and if we can get them connected to any resources.
4: I think it's also like really important to note like one thing that we try to talk about when we're doing our outreach and youth line lessons is that like knowing how to ask about suicide is such like an incredible skill to have. And it's so important and you can use it in like so many different places and positions in your life. But it's also okay if you don't know how to ask that. I think people go through our youth line training and still are really nervous asking that. And so that's like, as we are talking about this, we're in in no means like asking you to be able to do that. If that's something that you aren't able to do, but it's just super important that you get somebody else involved who can ask that question if you aren't the one to ask it
2: if someone does share with you their suicidal thoughts or anything related to that topic i think first off they trust you and having that conversation with them is very important but also inviting them to go with you to seek help and i think also inviting and encouraging them is very good way to seek help instead of telling them or just telling someone to go talk to them because I think that's where the trust kind of goes away.
0: What if somebody gives you an unclear answer? Maybe they're not direct. Maybe they're just like, yeah, I'm feeling down or or what? How do you what do you do then?
5: Um, If you feel like someone may be having suicidal thoughts, it's really important to just ask because in our experience, if they don't, they'll be like, no, I don't. And you just move on and you talk about what's going on. But if you think that someone does, it's good to trust your gut and just ask them, you know, are you having thoughts of suicide? And then, like we said, go from there, thank them and have that conversation with them.
3: I think another thing is it's really hard for somebody to open up about how they're feeling, especially for me. I've kind of been somebody who keeps things to myself and talking to my family or my friends about it has been really challenging. And there was a girl in one of my classes at school who said something that seemed concerning to me and everyone else in the room never paid attention to her. They just ignored the fact that she was saying like things like she wanted to kill herself and that she was struggling at home and nobody cared about her. And I went up to her and I helped her because you shouldn't ignore the fact that somebody is struggling and they don't have that support. She could not have like friends or maybe she doesn't have the family to to support her and that's why she's trying to reach out for help but then people ignore her. So really like paying attention to the people around you so they can get help as soon as possible is important.
4: I think as well as like if you're asking that question and it seems like you're getting an unclear answer. Um, paying attention to like where you are and who's around you are really important things because there's so many like environmental things that can cause someone to feel like a lot of discomfort around answering that question like especially if it's just someone you know from school or if you're in a group of friends things like that Um, and like it really is a huge thing for someone to be able to disclose that and it might be the first time someone's ever talked about that and so talked about suicide and so um, you know I think taking it like very seriously and paying attention to like who's around you, where you are. And also if they're giving an unclear answer, just like saying like, if you are, you can always come to me later and like making yourself, I mean, always keeping boundaries, but making yourself available to the best you can um, and giving them other opportunities to like kind of think on that opportunity and then come back to you.
1: Someone else touched on the stigma around suicide a little bit ago. And I think that a really common fear that arises is people don't wanna feel like they're being nosy or like they're invading someone else's personal business. But if you are feeling genuinely concerned about someone else, it doesn't make you nosy to ask them some difficult questions. It can actually be something really brave and necessary.
0: Well, you've given us a lot to think about and we're gonna take a really short break before we come back and talk more about suicide here on Talk To Be Well.
6: Just to see.
0: Talk to Be Well is back with our guests from the Be Well Student Advisory Council and from Youthline. We're talking about teen suicide today. If you or someone you know is struggling, please reach out to Youthline at 877-968-8491 or text TEEN to TEEN to 839-863. Again, that's TEEN, the number 2, TEEN. We started to touch on this a little bit before the break about how you tell the difference between someone who's being overly dramatic and saying, I want to kill myself and someone that may actually attempt to, is there a difference? Do you handle those things differently?
4: I think both of those things should be addressed, whether you feel like it's a genuine statement or not. Um, Obviously, if somebody Is saying I want to kill myself and they feel like that's the only way that they can get like the attention that they need. There's still something going on there, whether it is like actual suicidal intent or not. Um, I think that this goes greatly into like our ideas of like having judgment around attention seeking. And I think, you know, we think about this a lot when we're talking about self-injury and not as much when we talk about Um, suicide but like this idea that attention seeking is really bad and it's really annoying and we want to like shun people who do that but like the truth is is that like humans deserve attention Um, we're social creatures you know that's one of our core needs and so if somebody is seeming a little bit like attention seeking um, it's better to handle that with compassion and that they're like clearly probably lacking attention in ways that they should have been offered it. And I was talking to somebody about this recently and they were talking about how they like to say connection seeking instead of attention seeking because there's so much judgment, even in the words attention seeking and we think of that as such a bad thing when really like all of us need attention, we just get it in different ways.
2: I think if someone is being dramatic and they are saying phrases like, I want to kill myself or similar things like that, I think asking them and kind of addressing the problem and seeing if if there is something going on. And if not, then maybe educating them on saying like suicide is a very serious topic and you might not feel that way. But if you said it in front of the wrong person or maybe someone who doesn't isn't so comfortable talking about that subject it can trigger something and so just educating them on the words that they say and the people they say it around as well.
0: So I think that brings up a really good point about sometimes where we hear things it's not necessarily when somebody's talking to us we see it on social media. Have any of you ever seen a post
5: on social media that was concerning and and if so what have you done with it? I remember a couple years back, one of my friends posted something that was concerning. And at the time, I did not have like any training. I wasn't sure like what to do. So I decided to like go to their house and check up on them. And it turned out they weren't there. But when it comes to someone online, like giving you invitations to ask questions, I think if you feel like it's an immediate risk to them I would try to call a family member of theirs or if anything like the police if you really feel like they are in danger then just safety is the main concern so making sure that they're safe and can stay safe.
1: I've noticed that people can really be vulnerable on social media and post really personal things on their accounts and the tough thing with social media is that You can't really see them face to face or hear their voice which makes it really hard to know their tone and whatever other nuances you can only notice in person. But like Kate was just talking about, following up on them whether or not it's in person or just on the phone or over text can be really helpful.
3: Another thing is teens these days tend to use social media as their outlet so they may use their instagram or their snapchat or twitter to say something that they're trying to get out but they can't really say it face to face to somebody so then they just type it out and that they just put it out there and then try to get attention by that as in a way to like seek help and that's their way to try to like reach out to somebody to get help and some people do notice it and some people don't notice it which is upsetting because I'm always like the type of friend who will reach out to that person if they are struggling. And I've noticed that a lot of people are so like attached to their phones these days and like the stigma surrounding mental health that they won't speak up about it and they won't go to that friend and ask them if they're okay.
4: I don't know if this is like an adequate answer. A really great resource is Safe Oregon. And so they have a system where you can anonymously send in stuff like that and then they send it to that person's school and their school counselor will check in with them and so it's a really really good resource for um things like that especially if it's somebody that maybe you don't know very well um just trying to put in as much information as you can if you see that maybe they are posting like that they're self-injuring or that they're suicidal um, or anything around that I think that that's just like a really good resource because like as much as We say, like, you know, like, always check in with that person, like, that's just out of some people's comfort zones, which is fine. And so also having that as a resource is important.
0: That's a really great resource. Thank you for sharing that. That's going to be very helpful for our listeners. And I'm sure that we have those in other states across the country as well. One of the things that goes along with social media are some of the ways that suicide is portrayed in the media itself. There have been several recent television shows directly addressing
5: teen suicide. What do you all think of those? I think that my opinions um, are pretty mixed because while I think it's important to talk about suicide and let it be known that like suicidal ideations like are more common than people think and it's important to get like into contact with resources and people who can support you. But I think a lot of the times In TV shows and movies, they're not necessarily portrayed realistically. Um, And so it kind of gives that uh, idea that um, of romanticizing suicide, which can be really dangerous, especially for people who do have suicidal thoughts. So I think it's important to continue the conversation about suicide. But to the shows and movies that do that, they really should take the time to make sure they're doing it right
4: yeah i think there's definitely a way to go about things like this this topic is often like referred to as like safe reporting and so like how we portray like when somebody in the community dies by suicide and like the community's decided they want to put that on the news like things like that and like when we're thinking about these things like 13 reasons why like when we're thinking about these tv shows while it is so important to have a conversation around mental health and mental illness and suicide like Again, like what Kate said, we need to make sure that we're doing that the right way because it can get very, very toxic very fast if you aren't doing it the right way. And so I think that that show in particular had a lot of like negative kind of influence on people. And I think people have this like idea of what all that looks like in their heads. And I don't know if some shows are all that helpful towards that.
1: For those shows and movies, I think it would be really helpful if they included if it was required for them to include content notes or trigger warnings before they show whatever they're going to show and that doesn't just go for suicide that could go for any type of topic that could create an emotional response in someone like sexual assault or eating disorders or anything like that
3: adding on to what kelly said then i feel like it's really glamorized in some shows like 13 reasons why And people can portray it as like a joke when they're watching it. I know a lot of teens like laugh and like say, I want to kill myself as a joke, or they take it not seriously, which is really bad because some people are struggling and they can say that around them, and it will only make the issue worse that people are stigmatizing it. And I think that, like Kelly said, also they should put trigger warnings before all the episodes because. Some people who are also dealing with mental health issues watch the show. And I, for personally, I don't think it could make it better. I think it could also like make it worse and be a negative impact on them.
0: Well, we're going to take another quick break here. When we come back, I'd like to talk about one of the issues you all raised about how suicide can be glamorized and, and some of the fears and myths and stigmas we have about talking about suicide. We'll be back. After this short break at Talk to Be Well. Talk to Be Well is back with our guests from the Be Well Student Advisory Council and from Youthline. We're talking about a really difficult topic today in teen suicide, and we want to make sure that if this topic is triggering you or you know somebody who's struggling, please reach out to Youthline at 1-877-968-8491 or text teen2teen to, teen to 839863. That's again, that's teen, the number two, teen.
7: I'm going on in the time, I feel there's no one to save me. This all and nothing really got away, driving me crazy. I need somebody to hear, somebody to know, somebody to have, somebody to hold. It's easy to say, but it's never the same. I guess I kinda let like go, way you know, the pain. Now the day bleeds, it's a nightfall, and you're not here to get me through it all. I love my God. someone you loved i'm going under in this time i fear there's no one to turn to this all and nothing way of loving gonna be sleeping without you now i need somebody to know somebody to hear somebody to have just to know how it feels It's easy to say But it's never the same I guess I kinda let like The way you help me escape Now the day bleeds Into nightfall And you're not here To get me through it all I little my guard It's a nightfall, you're not here to get me through it all. I let my God down, and then you pull the rug I was scared and kinda used to be in someone you love, but now the day bleeds. It's a And you're not here to get me through it all. I let my God I was getting kinda used to
0: being so you love Before the break we were talking about some of the television shows that have glamorized uh, teen suicide and have really made it kind of that topic of conversation. One of the big myths out there though is is this real or not? If you talk about suicide, can you make someone suicidal?
5: That is not a real. That's a myth. It can't be more wrong. Suicide is definitely a common known thing. Everyone, mostly everyone I would believe knows what suicide is. And so to have the idea that talking about it would give someone the impression um, to do that is kind of strange to me because if you feel like someone is suicidal and you ask that question, then you're obviously not giving them that idea if you're asking that question because you believe they're having suicidal ideation
4: yeah I think touching on all of like the previous questions that we've talked about like you know like we're sitting here giving this advice but like that is not in any way to say that if you had a friend who was suicidal and you didn't intervene or if you saw a post on social media and you didn't slide up and something happened like that is we are in no way saying that that is like any fault of yours you know like you don't you only know like what you know up to that day and if you didn't think to check in like that's not your fault and we're not saying that any of this is necessarily your responsibility to do and so um You know, like we're here to give our input, but obviously it looks so different when it's actually happening to you in your life. So just like a disclaimer that none of this is in any way to like place blame upon those who have lost someone to suicide.
0: I work with a lot of schools that have had someone complete suicide or had someone with a serious attempt. And there's two schools of thought. Sometimes schools are very open about that and they'll have assemblies and they'll bring in people and they'll talk about it. But many schools also still hide that conversation. I remember about a year and a half ago, my own kid in high school had a friend who attempted suicide, and we called the school and said, hey, you know what support can we offer? And they said, well, you know, we don't talk about it here because if we talk about it, then that gives that idea to other people. And what I hear you saying is that's not a thing. What is your opinion about how should schools deal with this?
2: Schools for sure should um, bring up the conversation about suicide. If you compare schools who teach or do mental health weeks or implement mental health programs within their school, you will see um, a better community and a better culture implemented within that school. And then schools who don't, you can see very large separation within students and also with um, the staff members as well. If you look back many years ago, um, the teaching of abstinence led to higher teen pregnancy and STDs. Now that schools are teaching um, safe sex, they see that there are lower rates in teen pregnancies and STDs. And I think that That topic can also apply to suicide and mental health because the more you bring up the conversation, the more that students and adults are educated on it. So that way students, if they see a problem within their student body, they can talk to one another and also um, teachers and staff members can also see the differences within their students and learn and bring up the conversation and talk about suicide so that way people feel comfortable and I know this is a like a very serious topic and a lot of schools have gone through teen suicide and I think that this is just very it's just if you start and educate students they will know how to get help and how to seek help and how, how to help each other
5: yeah going off of that suicide is without a doubt a really uncomfortable conversation to have but it's extremely important to talk about Especially um, after, you know, um, someone committed, sui- committed suicide um, at your school. Like, I think my um, brother's friend completed suicide and our s- school did not talk about it whatsoever. And it was really sad because that just tells you that the school, I think doesn't necessarily want to acknowledge struggling kids in my opinion and especially like giving them the resources and letting kids know that they have support um especially during really hard times i think is like extremely important
2: it's also very sad to see how suicide can get very political within school districts and within um communities as well but if you are someone who's an advocate for mental health and someone who wants to bring up the conversation, I just encourage you to keep doing that and to keep pushing through.
0: So we have some questions that have come in from social media. Uh, Tara asks, what are the most common signs that someone is thinking about suicide? How do you know, what do you look for? I think,
4: you know, there are so many answers to this question that I'm sure you can find by like searching on the internet and I think like my answer to that question would be a little bit different because it is really hard to know I think the most important thing is to know someone's baseline and know when that changes and know if something feels off to you because you know like we can give all these examples of like somebody who's sleeping too much or somebody who's not eating a lot or somebody who's giving away their stuff but You know, somebody who isn't suicidal could experience all of those things and somebody who is suicidal could experience none of those things. And so, you know, it varies so differently person to person, just like everybody has a very different personality. So knowing what somebody's baseline is and then checking in when they seem to have changed.
0: So we have another question and this is from Matt. He says, what are the words I should avoid if I want to talk to my sister? Because I think she wants to hurt herself. Is there anything you
5: shouldn't say? I think just avoiding words like committed and stuff like that, which I made a mistake with before. And, you know, as long as you're trying and learning, that's fine. Just because there's stigma around certain words. But just letting, I think just like having the power to try is important.
1: Another important thing I wanted to touch on is that one thing that you should avoid if you are talking to someone who's struggling is statements that could be associated with blaming or asking why would you want to feel that way or why would you want to do that to yourself because that's more focusing on how what they're going through is making you feel and it's less focused on how they're actually doing and how they can stay safe in that moment
4: just like what kelly said like i feel like it gets so difficult with family members especially if you have a sibling that you're really close to um and it's hard not to think about yourself and how much that would hurt you and it's hard to not place blame um in your head but yeah just being very mindful of like how the verbiage that you used um could sound blaming and um You know, trying to stay away from like telling that person how much that would affect you or how much that would affect their family. Because usually that is something that is put into consideration when people are thinking about suicide. I think they do think about the people around them or when they're thinking about self-injury. But like so often, whether it's true or not, people who are experiencing self-injury or experiencing suicidal ideation feel like the people around them wouldn't care. Um, or they uh, like that could be so completely false in reality, but it's so hard to like realize that when you're in a spot where you're struggling so much and feeling so isolated.
0: So thank you for this, this portion of the conversation. We're going to continue with this after we take another quick break at talk to be well. Mm -hmm. And we're back with Talk To Be Well. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Henderson, with a reminder that if you or someone you know is struggling, please reach out to YouthLine at 1-877-968-8491, or text teen to teen to 839-863. Again, that's TEEN, the number two, TEEN. Now let's get back to our conversations about suicide. We have a question here. Tristan asks, how do you deal with your friend who tried to kill themselves and survived, he doesn't know what to say.
5: Um, yeah, uh, that's a really good question. I think just taking a second um, to take care of yourself as well, because that's a really hard thing to go through, to have um, a friend who's struggling and maybe not know how to handle it or deal with that situation. So making sure that you're doing self-care activities as well as getting resources for yourself. But for the friend, I would say just making sure to let them know that um, that, you know, like there are resources out there and you're available if you want to talk. But I also think just making sure that you don't guilt trip them in a way by saying things like, oh, but you have this to live for. Oh, but your family, like, you know, like, what would I do without you? Because that can kind of. Um, give people a sense of shame or feeling like worse than they already do so just letting people know that um, you support them and you're there for them if they need to talk
0: we have another question here from uh, Damon who said my cousin says that he wants to die he's only six is that something he just heard on television or something
2: I think that Phrases like that can be heard on television or especially um, younger generations are growing up with social media and with technology. So um, whether it be um, video games or YouTube videos or something that they might be hearing um, phrases like this or um, like, um, I just want to die or I want to kill myself, which can be difficult. But then it's also difficult because it's hard to teach a six year old or um, a younger child, I guess, how to, like, what is mental health and how to keep a good mental health. Um, But I think that, like, trying to educate, I guess, and trying to bring up the conversation and maybe limiting screen time, I guess, would also help as well. Um, And um, these children do have parents, so talk to their parents as well.
0: But that leads us down to a question I think that I've got. What can parents do to support their teen if they know that their teen is having suicidal thoughts or they sense that something's wrong? What, if, what can we as parents do? I think the number one thing that
4: everybody thinks about when they're concerned about talking to, talking about these things to their parents is that their parents are going to freak out. And so as big of a deal as it is and as like heart-wrenching it is to hear that from a child... I think just trying to keep your composure when you're around them can be helpful and being honest. um, Like if that is really affecting you being honest and saying, I don't know what the best thing to do right now is. And like also not trying to act like you have it all together all the time and not to say you should put your issues on your kids, but like kids are smart and they know what's going on. Um, And again, just like, take it very seriously. Um, Always take it seriously. It's always, always better safe than sorry and do the best that you can. Have somebody else intervene in the parts where you feel like you can't, whether that's because you don't have the knowledge to or emotionally it is too much for you to do. So also just like taking care of yourself Um, and trying to validate wherever they're at. I mean, even though it's really hard to hear that your child doesn't want to talk to you, trying to validate that and that it's really, really hard. And a majority of the time, if your kid doesn't want to talk to you about their mental health, it's probably because they don't want to hurt you, Um, which as much as you don't want them to worry about that, just validating that and that's the space they're in.
0: I think that's really great advice to parents. I also want to encourage parents that, anytime your child expresses ideas of self-harm or suicidal ideation, to always take that seriously and seek out a healthcare professional. And if you need advice in the moment, definitely reach out to the folks at Youthline and to the National uh, Suicide Prevention Hotline because anytime someone expresses suicidal ideation or suicidal thoughts and self-harm thoughts, we need to always take that seriously. To that end, um, I want to ask all of you, Um, what advice do you would you give to somebody who's contemplating suicide and thinking about self-harm? What would you say? I feel like this question
4: is very personal to me because when I was a freshman in high school I tried to end my life and so talking to somebody who was in that same space like I think I would say, first of all, like, I'm sorry that you're there. And I know that it is really, really hard. And it's hard to get out of bed and it's hard to do the small things. And it's so hard to reach out and talk to somebody because even if you have so many supportive people around you, like, the headspace that you're in is so hard to get out of the space of like, nobody is there for me and nobody wants to hear about this. I would say just please please reach out reach out to anyone that you can if you can't talk to your parents talking to your siblings or talking to your teachers or telling someone telling literally anyone in your life because there's so many people that would rather go through that crisis with you than have you not be there anymore and i think that like When I was in that space, I could never have possibly imagined that I would be in the space that I am now today. I don't think I ever saw my life going like as good as it's going now. I don't think I ever felt like I would be out of that headspace. I felt like it was going on forever. And I feel like that's a really common mindset to have is that like hopelessness. But it really you have no idea where your life could be in even a year. So, you know just reaching out even for that reason and the fact that there's a slim chance that it could get better like anything that you could possibly do you know like I'm still proud of you and just doing the best you can because it is really hard to just take those do the small things like getting out of bed
5: and like talking to someone going off of what Emma said like I think that to be in that headspace is really hard um I've definitely had suicidal ideations before um in the past and it feels kind of like you're in a big hole and it almost feels safer to stay in that hole than to get out because you don't know what's out on the other side um but yeah I think for me at least my experience to getting help was I felt like I had tried all of my other options and none of them worked and I felt like I was in a place of like hopelessness Um, so I let like my school counselor know and I was ready for them to you know like call my parents and for them to like like freak out almost and it was like the complete opposite they were extremely understanding and they talked to me about it and they got me in contact with um, a psychiatrist and a counselor without, I made it clear that I didn't want my parents to know and they worked with me on that. So I think letting people know, but then also telling them what your boundaries are and what you may or may not want is really important. But
0: Thank you both so much for sharing your personal stories. We're going to take another quick break before our final segment when we have an opportunity to ask the professionals some questions. And we're going to turn the tables and ask Doc Rob about this. We'll be back at Talk to Be Well.
6: It's late in the evening, lost on the side. I've been sad with you for most of the night. Ignoring everybody here they would disappear so maybe we could get down now i don't wanna know if you're getting ahead of the program i want you to be pain lady to hold your body close take another step into the no man's let it go until I roll the chain Singing we found love in a local raid No, I don't really know what I'm supposed to say But I can just figure it out and hope and pray I told her my name, I said it's nice to meet you Then she handed me a bottle of water filled with tequila I already know she's a keeper Just from this one more act of kindness I'm in deep, if anybody finds out I'm meant to drive home, but I do all of it now No, sobering up, we just sit on the couch One thing led to another, now just kiss on my mouth ah. I need you darling Come on, set the tone If you feel the falling don't you let me know, oh 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 oh. oh, 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 If you love me, come on, get involved. Feel it rushing through you from your head to toe, oh.
0: Talk to Be Well is back with our guests from the Be Well Student Advisory Council and from Youthline. We're talking about teen suicide, and it's time for our panelists to ask uh, Doc Rob some questions. If you or someone you know is struggling, please reach out to Youthline at 1-877-968-8491 or text TEEN2TEEN to 863 Again, that's TEEN, the number 2 TEEN. Let's talk more. What do you all have questions about?
2: How do you think schools should educate on the topic of suicide?
0: Openly and honestly. You made the point earlier talking about how we changed from an abstinence-based culture to teaching about uh, STDs and birth control and things like that and safe sex. And it's that same idea. We have to come out... And develop curriculum that isn't just looking at the diagnostic systems manual criteria for depression, et cetera, et cetera. But what does depression actually really look like? And it's not just about what you learn in the schools, it's about everything. It's related to how teachers are trained. We're really good at teaching teachers right now about school shooter drills. But the reality is, There's not nearly as many school shootings as there are students struggling with mental health issues and attempting and even completing suicide in our schools. And yet, we put millions of dollars into teaching you about school shooter grills and very few dollars into teaching students and staff and administrators how to identify students who are struggling and students who are in need. So we need to shift our focus. We need to start looking at where the problems really are. During the course of this program, it's an hour long Given the rate that one person completes suicide about every 12 minutes, five to six people have lost their lives due to something that we all know how to deal with and we all know how we can help. And yet we don't take the time to teach people who are with teens more than anybody. You may be with your parents most of the time during the day, but I know what it's like. My kid goes to school during the day and when we're at home we may have a few hours and then they go to bed and they're asleep the teachers, the administrators and the staff are the ones who need to be trained to recognize the signs and the symptoms and to be able to deal with it.
4: Um I think that there's a lot of like misbeliefs about what like a psychiatric unit actually looks like because it's something that people have shown so much in like horror films and used it for halloween costumes things like that. Um Could you tell us a little bit more about, like, what visually a psychiatric unit might look like or, like, what you do when you're there, things like that?
0: Absolutely. I grew up in a time when I first started working, I worked in the facility that was actually where One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest was filmed. So I've been in that institution and seen that, and that's a horrifying place. Very early in my career, I worked in the Secure Child and Adolescent Treatment Unit and it was not a place that I would want to ever send anybody that I loved or cared about. And it was a hard place to be. There was all of the things that you see in the movie, and that was really real. And you need to remember, for those of you who are on the air, I'm also really old. So things have changed significantly in my lifetime. In the units that I've been part of designing, I was on the design team to, to create a unit in central Oregon called Sageview. And Sageview is what we call a seclusion and restraint-free unit. It means that there is no hold room where you might be strapped down on a nice comfy gurney. There are no bars on the windows. Every room is private and they all have a view of nature because we know that one of the things that helps people when they're stressed, when they're in crisis, is to be able to look out and be in nature. We also know and studies show that Candidly, for most of us, when we're under psychiatric stress, we don't necessarily want to be in a room with someone else. But there are other times when, like young adult populations and you're in college, you're more used to having a roommate. So we've become a lot more conscious about how we separate those things out. But I think the biggest changes that we've made really have to do not only with the environment of care and making that more inviting, but in the care that we provide. Instead of having people spend their days in their rooms alone, we do a lot more group therapy. We do a lot more work to help people learn about mental illness, how they can help support their own mental health, what their triggers and cues are, and how they can move forward. One of the projects we're working on is a facility that would really focus on college-age youth and looking at how we can use digital wellness tools, a lot of things that are on your app phones that you've talked about tonight meditation tools and things like that, we need to integrate that into mental health care. We're not great, we're not perfect, but I think as a field we're beginning to move forward.
5: Um, How do you think we can start destigmatizing suicide in our society? I think
0: that this Talk to Be Well podcast and other areas where young people are talking about suicide talking about their own experiences the more we destigmatize it and help folks understand that that truly suicidal ideation doesn't mean that you need to go to a psychiatric unit suicidal ideation happens to a lot of people and it could be a chronic thing suicide is something that if we start to talk about it we take the power away We give people, we talk about the tools. We give people the tools they need to think about it. And we take the shame away when, you know, some of us, you know, today, you've both been so brave to talk about having suicidal thoughts. That makes it, gee, you know, maybe I'm not so strange because I'm having them too. So really beginning to take the stigma and the shame out by talking about it and being open about it. More people than we know have had suicidal thoughts. More people than we know have chronic suicidal ideation. And the more that we normalize that and say this is part of what happens and go one step further to say this is how you deal with it and it's perfectly normal and this is when you need to get help, more services like Youthline that reach out and can talk about that openly, that's how we're gonna to begin to break down stigma. We have a question that's come in online here wanting to know what happens when you go to an emergency department or you get picked up uh, by an ambulance uh, for suicidal thoughts you know we see that on the, t- on the tv all the time of somebody is over on the bridge and they end up in an emergency department not everybody who comes to an emergency department in a suicidal crisis ends up in a psychiatric unit in fact eighty percent of those people usually go home but they go home with different services and supports what happens when you come in is you're going to be assessed Uh, by a physician to, to make sure that you're medically stable. If you've got alcohol or other drugs on board, we're gonna get you sober, we're gonna take care of that. But usually what will also happen is that somebody who's a mental health professional will come in and talk with you and figure out the things that you all have talked about. Are you thinking about suicide? Do you have a plan? Have you had an attempt recently? What are the safety supports that you have at home? And is there someone that you can go home with now and have a follow-up appointment within the next day or two to see someone to begin to to build that safety around you and process and deal with that? We're getting a lot better in emergency departments about dealing with this because we know that 30 to 35% of the people who present to an emergency department present with some type of behavioral health crisis. It's very common and it's not changing, but we need to take the stigma out of that too. And recognize that if you're struggling with suicidal thoughts, you don't just have to go to the emergency department. You can go to your primary care physician and have a conversation with them. You can call your local crisis line, like Youthline, and have a conversation and get access to resources that are going to help you and be much less stigmatizing. I want to thank all of our panelists today for being with us and talking about a very difficult topic. This topic has been triggering for many of us, and I want to encourage everybody tonight to to engage in a little bit of self-care and to remember that there's always somebody ready to listen, and you are not alone. Thank you for joining us today and to everyone for listening and sending in your questions. Visit BeWellTrust.org for more information about this topic and many others, and make sure to follow the Student Advisory Council on Instagram at WorkToBeWell. We look forward to a future conversation on more mental health topics. If you missed part of the show, you can replay it on major podcast platforms and share it with your friends. Thank you and be well.